I am a wayfarer on the waking way just like you. Years ago, in a time of despair, I was given cause to consider my small place in the whole of creation. The old questions that have perplexed us for ages were haunting me as well. Why are we here? Must there be a reason for our existence? How do we balm our sufferings, enlighten our minds, and awaken our hearts? Are there powers, energies, and realities just beyond our ability to comprehend them? Like a new day rising, a fervor to understand these things illuminated my inner east. The discoveries along the way have been manifold, malleable, and colorful. Like a kaleidoscope, the teachings and practices I have gathered continue to shift and bend, imprinting on the textures of daily life just as it is. My ministry arrives in the form of sharing this extremely personal, varied, sacred, ordinary way with you. Let us traverse this landscape together as siblings. I pray you will join me for a time. I am your brother Oren, and this is my witness to the wisdom cry of the Dawn Deacon. taking another walk with me something that's been on my mind something that's been on I'm sure the minds of many in the last months and even years something that I feel like I haven't really sat down to talk about something that's been such a big part of my life for as far back as I can remember something I feel passionately about and yet something that I sometimes feel is almost a futile effort and that's nonviolence. I want to back up a little bit. A few months back, I was cleaning out an old collection of large boxes I had in our storage building, full of books that I really didn't have a place for. And when I was going through them, I noticed a book that was called Passion for Peace looks like I bought it in 1995 and never read it the title had caught my eye I suppose picked it up at a used bookstore I laughed when I saw who was on the cover it was a drawing of Thomas Merton and apparently it's a collection of his social essays compilation from the Cold War era in the introduction, the, the person that curated these writings said that often Merton's words from that time seem as though they could have been written in the 90s. 
apparently that's when this book came out. It's interesting how one that it would be years later before I actually discovered the writings of Thomas Merton. I find it amusing that in my 20s I bought this book and apparently stuck it to the side and never took the time to read it. Treasure I buried for myself. So I decided to start reading it. And I agree with the compiler of these works of Merton that often, even though he was writing in the 60s and most of his commentary was on the civil rights movement and the Cold War and very early into the Vietnam conflict, much of what he says is relevant to our time here in 2021 just as the compiler observed that his words rang true in 1995 there were a couple of things though from one of his writings right at the beginning of the book that has had me thinking lately about us all of us and particularly myself and what my role might be so today I want to talk about some of those thoughts violence nonviolence peace purpose and identity how those things might be related I would like to read though This particular lines that stuck out to me. And Merton says this. Christians must become active in every possible way, mobilizing all their resources for the fight against war. First of all, there is much to be studied and much to be learned. Peace is to be preached. Nonviolence is to be explained as a practical method and not left to be mocked as an outlet for crackpots who want to make a show of themselves. And further on in the, in the article, Martin says, we must at least face this responsibility to do something about it. And the first job of all is to understand the psychological forces at work in ourselves and in society. I often take Merton's words to heart. Sometimes they're simple and sometimes they're very complicated. But almost always, Merton shares something that's worth reflecting on for days, weeks, months. And, as I stated earlier, his words ring true, even today. As many of you know, I claim no particular religion, group, sect, theology, denomination. In fact, I 
even reject something that I used to say, which was, sometimes I'm a Buddhist who loves the way of Jesus, and sometimes I'm a Christian who's found peace in the path of the Buddha. And even that umbrella isn't large enough sometimes, so I've decided to let it go. But in this particular context, Martin's speaking of Christianity, because Martin was first and foremost a Christian. I'd like to start there because part of one of some of the remorse and sadness, heaviness that I feel in my heart is that I haven't experienced that type of peace and nonviolence and anti-war in action in the Christian groups that I participated in, at least locally. That does not mean that there aren't Christians who don't help others. There are. And I'm sure the same can be said for any cult or religious group. The same can be said for humanity in general. It can be said for any group, political party, team, organization. There will always be those that find ways to bend the creed, whatever that may be, for their particular affinity to suit their needs. Lately, in our world of 2021, we are dealing with some very extreme voices in just about every camp not just nationally but even on local levels that call for violence against their fellow human beings we have people who are easily swayed by conspiracies misinformation and voices of rage that rally and into rally people into a frothing boiling foam and just like the little bubbles in that foam they cluster together and when they boil over over they have the ability to hurt and burn Violence seems to be the easy choice. I grew up around someone who had a propensity to anger and violence. And while I've often justified most of it, just as I just said most of these groups do, as I've gotten older, I realized that what it did was leave me with a type of trauma and a great sadness because I also see the seeds 
of that rage and violence in myself. I think it might be wise for me to not talk in generalities to make this conversation with you more direct and understandable. We live in a time where we're asked to take precautions to help our neighbor. Those precautions are distancing, sanitation, and protective gear. We weren't asked to do this forever. And if we had collectively done these things for a time, it's quite possible that the normal that so many are addicted to would have returned. But it hasn't. It's a type of selfishness that seems to always bubble to the top inside the human being. And here we are again. Except now, it's not just selfishness, it's selfishness showing up as violent rage. We now have a vaccine that increases our chances of quelling the current pandemic and actually reducing, highly reducing, the chances of people we love and care for of contracting the virus. And for those who contract it, it provides an even greater probability that they'll survive it. In the early days, it affected the least of us, the weakest, the oldest, the frailest. And now that's no longer the case as we've allowed, we've allowed collectively the virus to mutate. There's something in us, something in our being, some type of extreme selfishness that many want to label freedom that says, I'm going to do what I want to do. And when we try to govern it, there's this rageful, violent pushback. Like children, we say we want what we want, and when we don't get what we want, instead of using reason and finding a solution that's palatable for many, most for the common good, we cry out through hoarse throats and raised fists, burning tiki torches, violent rhetoric, 
and we attack the very institutions that are in place to help the many and increase the common good. I remember behaving that way as a child. Angry because I didn't get what I want. And being mad about it. My parents were there to govern me. To remind me that my tantrum was just that and that they knew better I often wonder if that's not what we're doing right now just behaving like little children I listen to the news which some say it's a terrible idea but I listen to it because I think it's important to be reminded of what's really out there what's seething beneath the surface if I were telling the truth and that's what I want to do I feel anger too I feel anger at those that won't take precautions to help the rest of us. I take anger at those that threaten physical harm on school board members. I'm frustrated with those who fall for the most ridiculous of conspiracies. And to what end? You know, Merton asks us to investigate it. To understand the psychological forces at play. I don't want to believe that we are just a violent creature. I know we have the capacity. But the voices are so loud and so many are being hurt. We saw on January 6th in this country how easily that rage and that frustration can be manipulated. And that's really all it is. A big manipulation. But why? To what end is the manipulation? The truth is it's just power. A desire for power you can call it ego. It's toxic identity. I went to lunch with a friend the other day and I shared some of these thoughts about identity and how if you really sit with it long enough and analyze it, you'll see that identity really is the beginning of all conflicts. And frustrations and suffering because we want a thing to be in alignment with an identity 
that we're clinging to. And we make choices all throughout our lives based on this identity, who we think we are. And so often, when we've not sat with ourselves and said, who am I, really? And then make a list. And then analyze everything in the list. And then ask the question again within the context of each item, who am I? You'll find bonds with others to be sure and to the world. But the identity attachment has changed you. So I say again that I do wonder if that's not the problem right now. There's this call for violence against each other. And somehow, it gets covered up with a religion of supposedly peace and a message of brotherly love. And yet I watch and listen to pastors who manipulate that message into nationalism, some type of faux toxic patriotism that looks nothing like the message of the Prince of Peace. Lay down your sword, Kepha. It's painful. And I wonder often, I sit with these people, at least in my imagination, and ask myself, how have they fallen so far from reason, generosity, kindness, concern, goodwill? Most of these pulpit pundits really just look like performers, a circus. And the truth is, I have to wonder if they're not putting on a circus for the same reason that many do. There's a ticket at the gate and it has to be purchased. I want peace. I want it within myself and I want it in the world. I want nonviolence. I desperately want it in myself. And I want it in the world. But when I cling to my identity, and then those that are attached to me through my identity, and then those things are threatened, nonviolence feels like it doesn't work. Peace disintegrates. It's a true confession. I actually have to practice nonviolence. I have to not just practice it in a sense of how does it combust with the air of the world. I have to watch it inside my mind and my heart constantly. Some of this comes from my identity. And from seeds planted in me as a child. 
but I do do the work far from a saint far from even a good person but I do the work because when I look out at these hate-filled faces this rage that I see these calls to rise up in arms against your countrymen and women to attack the systems that have to a large degree kept the peace which could be debated as I understand I am privileged by those systems but as I watch this happen I see what I could look like if I did not guard my thoughts and my heart and that doesn't mean to not acknowledge them it means to keep vigil with them and to actually forgive myself before I ever take an action I'm not seeing that I know though that secretly there are many people who do the same thing for me it's the only medicine that's going to quell the world's disease but my frustration my anger the disheartening that I feel comes when I see so many so so many who have prestige and tools to reach so many people use those tools instead to draw out the worst in us and then wrap it in the seamless rose of their Jesus of their Christ I see many of these create a mythology all their own which sets their flock on the front line as warriors the part of me that is Christian if that is even a thing that can be understood does not fall on its hands and knees in worship of a warrior God a violent Messiah when I think of Christ on the cross I see a being who's taken on the violence of the world in that cruel, cruel torture. And we say this was supposed to heal us, but instead what's happened is it's been used as a justification to claim that this world doesn't matter. 
this is a pure human fiction it has been created and is being used to manipulate so many who don't know who they are who are devoid of purpose so much of what we see looks like simple sports fanaticism painting our faces red white and blue slathering everything in the flag none of that has anything to do with actual love of country patriotism it's just fanaticism just a fan man the real players are on the field but what kind of field is it is it a field where we're sowing seeds tilling the soil feeding it and watering it helping each other along the way and sharing the fruits or is it just another damned field of human blood and gore because that's where this ends all this violence and this calls to violence these rageful men calling men to be men I wonder I wonder and I just want to believe too that they love their children and yet they call for men to be men they kidnap governors they attack police with flagpoles they plot to violently storm school board meetings and they give threat that something's coming. It will be their children who bleed and die and suffer and starve in a battle that will traumatize generations. That's not happiness and joy or freedom, but because there's no purpose, they wrap themselves in and it becomes their identity. Sit with yourself, you fools. Sit with yourself. Listen until all those voices fade away. And listen for a voice that sounds like refreshment and peace. And my God, weep. Weep for the pain you've caused. And then change. And then wrestle with it for the rest of your life if you have to. But don't let those monsters out in the world. I've talked about this before, but... I remember when I joined the army... Not out of some sense of duty, but because 
I was desperate to pay for college. My father was not happy with me at all. It was peace time. But as a Vietnam veteran who'd seen the absolute worst that humanity can manifest, he said in a very, very frustrated tone, I didn't go to that damn war and suffer just so my kids could. I understand that now. So I make a commitment in myself to not be a war bringer. Whether that's in my day-to-day life or on my community at large. But beyond that, I will not not use the tiny voice and signal I have to not convey the same message to anyone who'll listen. I don't want to harp on Christianity. It just seems to be at the forefront and infused with so many these violent messages strange fusion between politics and religion between left and right and weapons and blood and death these voices can be found in any extreme group It's not fringe anymore, my friends. These voices are becoming the mainstream. I have watched men of God slathered in tassels and satin and gold carry those same messages. I have watched the Sunday pastor Expensive suit, incredible light shows, arena size audiences call for violence, resistance. None of this resembles any of the Lords of Peace. What I've found over the years in studying religion is a common ground. In fact, some people have given this a name, yet another title to try to adopt. The word is omnist. Omnist. Omnism. Where you see an overlapping truth in all the religions of the world, spiritual teachings, traditions, while not adhering to just one. 
I only bring it up because in my decades of exploring and studying religions and traditions, I always came back to the ground, a ground of love, helpfulness, compassion, mercy. No matter who the teacher, no matter how that teacher gained their enlightenment, how they woke up, whether it be an internal observation or a crying out to the heavens, to a God, it's always been a message of love. But we crave identity. Crave it so badly. So we form our groups. And we make our rules. And we don't focus on the core. Focus on the doctrine. On the credos. Instead of just a simple rule which seems to bind all the rules together. Love one another. Have mercy. Show goodwill. Care. Be compassionate. Have hope. I don't hear those voices anymore. I hear voices busied with Manifesting your best life on one end of the spectrum. And I hear voices on the other end clamoring and clanging their plows into swords. So, what does this all mean? Where do we go? And to what end is it? For me, I can just simply talk about it and try to continue my daily vigil with the seeds of violence inside of me. When I see my brothers and sisters falling into the traps of manipulators who clang and gong about violence and force that makes me angry. Those people sound like they don't care about others. It frustrates me. And what do I see happen? I other them. And I simply get angry. And I wonder, as I have my whole life, what happens when I no longer participate in my vanguard? What happens when I ball up my fist, as so many do? When that happens, especially in aggression 
and offense outside of some type of personal defense and protection. I light the world on fire. People would get hurt. And those people that I love that are attached to me because of the identity that I have husband, father, son, friend. Those people get hurt by being attached to me through those webs. I can see that very clearly. And when I see a brother or sister behind a microphone raging, so sure, so carried by their passion, I want to throw a life preserver to them, a rope, and just whisk away their cloud of rage and entitlement and frustration and say, yes, I get it, it is hard. But look, look at what happens if you stay this course. It's all blood and bones hunger and fire and death we don't have to live that way we really don't we actually with a little effort daily effort not to comply or to be sheep as so many love to say as an insult mind you But we can work together and help each other. It's not control, it's compassion. But those who have large egos with huge appetites for for power and praise and pleasures those whose identities have become nothing more than a gaping maw and a swollen belly. They are the loudest and they prey on our weaknesses and they convince us that what we need is to fight for what's ours. What is that? What is ours? They're not going to leave you with a clean, healthy world. These with the resources. They'll leave you with a world that's been plundered. Devoid of life. Clean water. And they'll leave you with distrust. And unsureness and fear. They'll turn brother against brother, sister against sister. And then, my friends, the whole world goes to hell.
I won't see that happen within myself. So today, if you're listening, making a recommitment to nonviolence. And I'm asking you to do the same. It's not going to be easy. In fact, I would say, of all the days of my life, all the times, the decades that I've lived, this is the hardest time, the heaviest time. I've considered giving up. But what am I leaving for my children, those that attached are attached to me through my identity? The innocent, the weary, the weak. I leave the world to be overrun by madness and madmen. So I ask you, my friends and listeners, brothers and sisters, find a way to quell the disease in yourself. I will too. I'll keep making these signals. I'll keep bringing you with me on these walks. And we'll talk about it. We'll work through it. That's the ground they cannot gain. Ultimately, it would be a dream for there to be no they at all. No them and us. No teams to be fanatical about. No reason to slather ourselves in their colors or ours. Ultimately, if we don't do this, the whole world will be covered in ash and blood. And the only team will be the team of human survival. This world has the foundation for growth. It has the power to feed us, comfort us, clothe us, nurture us. With all our intelligence and all our technology, we can help each other so much. With all the spiritual masters, religious teachings that have been passed down for thousands and thousands of years, we have access to some of the most beautiful writings and incredible thinkers that have ever walked the earth before us. Just as I found that treasure for myself in Thomas Merton's passion for peace, we can do the same any day. Find treasures that lie in wait for someone who is genuinely seeking. If you go looking for anger and violence, you will find it. 
But if you go looking with a passion for peace, you'll find that too. May all beings have happiness and the causes of happiness. May all be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. May all rejoice in the well-being of others. And may we all live in peace, free from greed and hatred. Brother Oren Parker is the producer and host of the Don Deacon and the Find the Good News podcast. As a licensed ecumenical minister, he practices universal spiritual accompaniment, offering a brother's ear to fellow seekers. Oren provides baptism, blessing, and union ceremonies, as well as tailored rituals to memorialize special occasions or blessings to sanctify personal spaces. Brother Oren also officiates weddings and funerals. For information or to contact Oren, visit findthegood.news or email oren at orenparker.com. Thank you.